0: Welcome to the Grief Dreams Podcast. My name is Sean Ram alongside Dr. Joshua Black. Thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate it to all our listeners across the globe. Really love having you guys here uh, Listen in with us and hope you enjoy it. On today's episode, we have with us Sabrina Palazzo, and she is a mindset and energy coach and certified breathwork facilitator. In 2020, Sabrina lost her father-in-law and her dad to cancer within one month of each other which became the catalyst for her own personal development journey. Using the methods she teaches today, she evolved from unmotivated and depressed to starting her own business and practicing daily tactics that rewired her subconscious, elevated her energy, and manifested the life she has always wanted to live. It is Sabrina's mission to educate women on the power of their minds and energy so they can take full control of their lives, shift out of their pain and into their power, and make great changes that actually last. And her website is self-healing with sabs.com uh, sabrina welcome to the podcast
1: thank you it's great to be here thank you for having me
2: i always love when i get people's bios because you see a, a side of the person that you didn't really know and say, so like we we met through instagram and there's some of the stuff i don't know so i didn't know that you before you started your own business you had a serious career change also with the losses all like, combined. And so I'm really curious about who you thought you were prior to the, the major changes and what your goals were uh, at that time before the losses.
1: Yeah, I love that question. I just laughed when you said who you, who you thought you were, because it definitely, it really was these losses that made me take a deep look at my life and really figure out who I was. So prior to all of that, I was in sales i've always been in sales i've always just been super motivated to run my own business um in a sense and you know in in sales you can do that and I always just thought that was my trajectory. I actually worked with my dad I'm in a very small company, but he was my mentor and so prior to losing him, I was actually working with him in sales and You know, obviously no one ever expects to lose anyone they love, let alone their parents so early on. Um, and really within such a short amount of time, my life changed. And from I went from thinking I'd be in sales working with my dad and for my dad for, you know, the rest of my, the rest of the foreseeable future to really, you know, losing him, losing that title, losing my job and having to really decide, you know, what I wanted to do with my life. (laughs) Really, uh, really quite the, quite the journey.
2: It's interesting how like, I look back at my own life. I'm like, you know, if my dad didn't die, mm. I probably would have been an elementary school teacher because that's what I was planning to be before he died. And that's what he wanted me to be. And so it's really interesting when loss hits on where it changes our our career paths, but also how we see ourselves. And so when you look back at who you used to be, because <laughs> I know you've changed, <laughs> what do you see when it comes to your mindset and how you viewed things? Were you just going with what was available like how did you view life
1: yeah yeah so I was really lucky I'm still lucky too um I still feel my dad around all the time but when he was alive I was really lucky to have him as a mentor because he really loved life and he was always you know from when I was little to high school to college to then working with him he always told me you know don't put the small stuff you know, life is short, make sure you're doing something that you're happy with. So I always had a pretty good foundation when it came to mindset. But I always knew in the back of my mind that I wanted what it was a pipe dream for me to run my own business to be a coach, I I didn't know what kind of coach I wanted to be. But I knew I wanted to be in that space. But, you know, I was comfortable. And I kind of lived within my comfort zone. And especially working with my dad, who I had such a close relationship with, it was just easy, and yeah, I just I just pretty much lived in my comfort zone, and I've been very blessed to have, you know, a, a nine to five, always have a nine to five and in an income, and I just never really pushed myself outside of those limits, and so obviously, when you experience a loss, that completely changes your life, and it forces you to step out of that zone of comfort <laughs> completely. <laughs> that zone of comfort is no longer there, so beforehand, I really just was... Not really pushing myself, which is kind of hard to say out loud, but thank you for asking that question.
0: What are some transferable skills for you with your old job being a sales rep and what you're involved in now?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I always felt connected to sales because I loved connecting with people and I felt like I just always in sales, you know, one of my strengths was just being able to relate To all different type of people and connect with them um, on a deeper level and sales is all about relationships so I've definitely brought all of those skills and um, you know those strengths over to coaching just uh, it's a a much different setting than sales of course
0: (laughs) yeah I would imagine that you know having the confidence in your own voice and being able to Mm -hmm. speak about something confidently which is you know the products and services you're providing Uh, would be a great benefit in terms of having the confidence
2: and uh, voice to come talk to your clients
1: yeah
2: definitely and so I'm really curious about the loss and what that was for you because you said like it wasn't you know just a father he was a mentor on how you you saw the world and who was able to encourage you to think positively about you know I guess the small stuff, <laughs> that they're small and it's not, you know, and, and how to view different, maybe challenging circumstances in your life. So could you take us through, you know, his, his death, if it was sudden, and also, you know, your, your grief afterwards?
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, my dad, probably my dad was diagnosed July of 2019 with advanced stage pancreatic cancer. And so, of course, any type of cancer diagnosis, you just, you never think that'll happen to anyone you love, anyone that's close to you. It it was interesting with him, 12 years prior, he was diagnosed with prostate cancer, and he was told that he had a slim to no chance of making it past his 50th birthday, and he beat those odds um, and had been cancer-free for 12 years. So we really never expected him to have another type of cancer, that his story was always supposed to be that. He beat the odds and that was that so when he was diagnosed that was um it was just a punch in the gut and he right off the bat he um he really was a leader to our family which is so crazy even just reflecting on that prior to this podcast just thinking about his journey he really you know was the one to tell us okay i'm getting a biopsy We are not to let our minds wander. We don't know, we won't know anything until we hear from the doctor. So we might as well just focus on keeping ourselves level. And so throughout his own chemo treatments and tests and all those things, he was not only, you know, supporting himself and just trying to stay afloat, but he was also still supporting the family. So his mentorship really wasn't just when we were working together. It was also in life. And I also learned a lot from his sickness and how to handle, you know, cards that you wish you would never pull for yourself. Right. And so he was diagnosed in July 2019. Like I said, Um, he started chemo in August and it was a pretty aggressive cancer. And so a pretty aggressive stage. And he promised, you know, I'm just going to fight for six months and see where that takes me. I'm going to do anything that I possibly can to fight this. And he did that. And just throughout that time, he was, did his best to put on a good face, but obviously cancer, I mean, chemo is uh, so taxing, so incredibly taxing. And it was February of 2020 when he was told that, uh, you know, and this is actually quite an important part of his journey and our journeys, he was told that his chances of living a regular life, in the future even six months one year down the line were slim to none that he was told that he wouldn't be able to if he kept up with treatment he wasn't going to be able to have energy to see his, to go to crossfit or to have beers with his friends or to walk the beach and he just realized that that wasn't a quality of life that he wanted and so he made the brave decision to enter hospice so it was a really interesting time because you know you obviously I would have had him that way forever if I could, but he really knew what kind of quality life he wanted. He felt like he had lived the life that he had wanted for himself. He didn't have any regrets and he wasn't going to put himself through that. So he made that brave decision and um, hospice, even though it's a scary word. And at times it was such a scary experience to be a caregiver for someone in home hospice. He really, you know, once chemo's out of your body, you, you don't have those toxins, right, so he was able to actually enjoy the time he had left with his family, so while his death was really taxing, um obviously, it was a gift that he gave us um which was the gift of being able to enjoy his last moments with him and and truly just be present in the moment and that yeah, that gift is priceless,
2: wow, that's. That's beautiful that he was able to make that decision and to allow you to have those moments together, right? Where the quality of life is much better and to be able to have like additional moments. And so how long, because he went in in February to hospice, how long until he died?
1: So he went into hospice February 18th and he passed away on April 21st. So it wasn't, it wasn't long.
2: Yeah, And so that is actually right during the pandemic. So what was it? (laughs) Were you allowed to see him in his final moments? And was there a funeral? Like, it's such a difficult time to have suffered a death um, just because of the restrictions that were going on at that time.
1: Yeah, it was definitely right at the beginning of the pandemic when no one really knew what was going on or the severity of it. There was a lot of fear in the air he actually did home hospice. So he was home the whole time. And uh, my sister and I moved home to take care of him with my mom. So we were actually in quarantine uh, with our whole family, which was just another beautiful gift. I, it's funny, you know, during the second wave of COVID, that's really when I experienced COVID for the first time, because I, I had more, uh, my priority was really just taking care of my dad and being with my family. I didn't, I knew that COVID was going on. I knew it was a really big deal and so impactful and terrible for so many families, but it really wasn't our day-to-day life. So while I knew what was going on, it was interesting. It was just, it was happening parallel to our experiences at home, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah,
0: that's very interesting. So it just looking at the timelines, it seems like you guys celebrated your dad's birthday before he passed this March 7th, which actually the same birthday as my mom. Ah. And uh, (laughs) you recently obviously had his birthday. What was that like going through that?
1: Yeah. You know, we, we still feel him around, Um, you know, the year this past year has obviously had its ups and downs. I really do feel his energy around. I, Uh, I know we'll talk about this later, but I definitely do have dreams with him in it. Um, I still receive signs from him. So I I do feel his presence and his birthday was actually a celebration of him. And we got together our family safely, our immediate family um, as safe as we could. And we celebrated him. So it's actually really beautiful. And we know that that's what he would want. Um, So it's, Easier said than done to not have that be a sad day, but it was actually a really beautiful day.
0: And uh, I was wondering, like, how has, you know, now that your dad has passed and, you know, months have gone on, how has COVID and the pandemic, I guess, impacted your grief process or, or you know, how, how's that played out with you?
1: Yeah. So we have not, we have not been able to have a funeral, or cel- we're calling it a celebration of life. We've not been able to have that due to COVID. We had, my half of my family is Jewish, and so we had a virtual shiva with the rabbi a couple of days afterwards, just with our immediate family, which typically um, is not the case with the, with the regular shiva. But yeah, we, we have not been able to celebrate his life with his friends. You know, my dad had a huge network of high school friends, college friends, people he grew up with, work people, hundreds of people we would have expected to show up to a celebration of life. And no one else has really been able to have that type of closure. So we um, we've been sitting on this for about a year. We still want to do it, but it's it's really been it's really been a tough subject. It's, It's hard to know what the future holds. And so. I know a lot of people are are just kind of waiting on this, but there's no way we can have an answer really on when that will be.
2: Wow, that is interesting to not have that cuz the whole point of the funeral is to help us as we grieve and to mm-hmm. acknowledge each other in what has what has died or who has died. And you're in a position now where you just can't have that. And so I'm curious if the the Shiva virtual was beneficial at all because you know it's it's supposed to be in person right so i'm not sure like what was that like and then have you seen challenges in your own i guess grief on not being able to have a funeral
1: yeah so the virtual shiva was uh i want to say you know that time after you lose someone you love it's just it's all a blur so it was within a few days after he passed I can't really remember if it was a day or two days after, but to be honest, it didn't do much for me. And I can speak on behalf of my immediate family. It didn't really do much for them either. I think the last thing we wanted to do was go on a Zoom call. And, you know, the rabbis at uh, his temple are just incredible. And, and we did appreciate, you know, the poems and the readings that they shared. And it was definitely a, a moment of love, which we appreciate but it's just, it's hard to get yourself on camera and get yourself on Zoom, even though we would have been doing it in person. I think that's more of what we would have expected, but to do it on Zoom was just a completely different experience that for me and my sister and mom just didn't really serve us as much as we would have hoped. So we really, we really knew that the pandemic wasn't going to end anytime soon. And so we kind of had to take matters into our own hands, you know, we did uh, spread some of his ashes in, in special places uh, that mean a lot to us. So that gave our immediate family closure. And that's really helped me in my own grief journey, just uh, having that moment with my immediate family to do that. But I I do know for his, his extended family and extended friends, not being able to, you know, share their stories publicly, or speak at the celebration of life or really have that typical type of closure has been hard for their grief
0: journey. Yeah, no, I I feel for you guys. I I I really understand that. Like having there's something to being around person, like face to face Mm -hmm. physically, that type Mm -hmm. of energy that's that's in the room that's around you. Uh, I think all of us, to some degree, obviously a lesser degree, are experiencing that in our own lives. Like uh, you mm. know, trying to meet up with friends uh, through Zoom calls or what have you. You know, I think uh, we're not. Re- I don't think we'll understand the full consequence of what's going on to us right now until maybe in the future. But it's tough, and not having that face-to-face energy and 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 whatever is going on there when you're when you're around people who are grieving with you. You know, and also the extended friends and family who want to pay tribute and express their condolences and emotions. Yeah, I can imagine that being very
2: difficult for everybody all around. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I'm curious about your signs because that's one of the things that you talk a lot about on your Instagram. And I think you have a course on that. So I'm curious about your journey with that. Were you expecting to have signs like right away? Did they not come and you get sad? Did other people share them and you got jealous? Like what were your what were your I guess expectations and also your experiences with signs and then also the dreams?
1: Yeah. So um no, I was not expecting them. <laughs> I uh you know, my mom is quite spiritual, my dad was not. I have an aunt who is quite spiritual and I always I tend to I I leaned more towards that, but it wasn't really a part of my day-to-day life prior to his loss. You know, it's funny. I actually, a little before he got diagnosed, I ordered a book called Signs, and I think I heard it on a podcast. It just came into my life, and I thought it was interesting. This was before my dad was diagnosed. I had no idea what our journey was going to be, and so once he passed, I remembered I had this book. And I started reading it and I so his um, his cousin is basically a sister of his and she is very connected to the other side. She's very spiritual. And she was telling me that, you know, she hears from him. And so I all I wanted to do was just hear from him as she was. And so I was reading this book. I was you know, just diving into this other world that I hadn't really dove into before of signs and of universal energy. And it was my aunt who actually called me while I was reading this book and said, hey, I know this might sound weird, but I have a message to you from your dad. And he, w- he wants you to know that he's aware that you out of the whole family are struggling the most and he's going to be sending you something. No one knew I was reading the book. I had no idea what she meant. I just was so almost jealous. She was hearing from him and I wasn't. So she actually gave me a few things to do to just open myself up to the connection, open myself up to the energy. And so I really dove into that. um, And all all of me diving into that was really propelled by my desire to connect with him, not necessarily to heal. So I was meditating, I was journaling, I was connecting to nature, <clears throat> all of these things just to connect with him. And that's when I really started receiving signs. And also in addition to reading the book, I started learning how to request certain signs. And so I started playing around with that. Specific signs that I would request I would receive and it would it would just be a weird experience, but I started getting you know, a little <laughs> over the top with it. I started becoming addicted to it, right? And just the idea that, okay, maybe this is real, maybe I am connecting with him, maybe his energy really is still around, which really that was the catalyst for me, opening myself up to spirituality and energy. And it's been those experiences that are so real for me that I've been able to, that have been able to help me, you know, help my family members, help my friends who have lost their loved ones and now help other people connect with signs. And that's really, really how it started with the signs.
2: Oh, it's so interesting. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating how it wasn't what you wanted or, or thought you'd go into, but it's the thing that's been helping you the most to really process mm-hmm. some of your grief. And, you know, like for you to, for your, was it was your aunt to say that you're struggling the most, I thought that was mm-hmm. telling because, you know, like, I, I, don't, I don't know what you were struggling in the sense of what was going on because we haven't talked about that yet I was like oh so what was going on at that time that you really saw within yourself that understood that statement to be true
1: yeah so you know you mentioned this before so my dad passed away on April 21st but my father-in-law passed away on March 21st so I was dealing with two losses and I was very close to my father-in-law he was a second dad to me and right after you know my dad passed away. I got laid off from my job, and I was dealing with three different losses <laughs> and it was a lot and so I just i think my grief had hit me a little bit later on. you know obviously the waves of grief they they hit you at random times, but I think my initial grief hit me about a week later, and that really continued on for. A while and I was just crying all the time. I didn't know what my next steps were gonna be in regards to an income, in regards to my job. Sales was not what I wanted to do anymore if I wasn't doing it with my dad. It was just it was a period of complete and utter loss and feeling lost myself. So that's really what she meant by that.
2: Mm. It yeah. is interesting, right? Once that job goes, it's like it's interesting what we cling to to have a routine, Mm. to, to feel motivated in different ways. And you start taking out some of these, you'd say crutches or just those aspects of our identity and Mm. you see what's actually underneath it all. And why I say that, because after my dad died and I finished school, I, I moved and I didn't have a job. And that was one of the most difficult times for me, probably more difficult than the loss per se. Because it's about finding meaning. I've always seen, like after my dad's died, I still went to school. So I had this like routine I was still doing as I was processing. But you take out that routine and you're left alone in a room wondering, you know, you know, all you hear is your thoughts <laughs> and you're tr- trying to figure out like what this is all about. And you're still playing with grief because grief's you know, it's, it's interesting how it changes over time, but it comes up in different ways. And I was still, you know, looking at that and dealing with a lot of those emotions and so, you know, I, I feel for what you had to go through uh, during that time because it's so scary. So what happened for you to actually break through to figure out, you know what, I'm going to get motivated. This is my direction.
1: Yeah. So I I just have to say one thing came to me while you were speaking that I just want to share. It's any type of loss that's close to you, you know, I think a, I think a part of you generally speaking, I think a part of you also dies too, right? It's, it's, you just said it perfectly, like what you're clinging on to sometimes just disappears as well with the loss. So I think that's, you know, something that a lot of people, especially if it's your first time losing someone that you are so close with, a lot of people don't even realize that there are other losses that go along with it. So you're not just grieving the person, you're grieving so many other things that may be left with that person. So I just wanted to thank you for saying that because it's so, so true. For me, what really made me realize I wanted to go in this direction was, you know, I I was meditating, I was journaling, I was connecting with nature. I was really, I told myself I was going to take the summer to heal and I wasn't going to force myself or jump into a job. I knew that this that my losses were had taken up so much of me that there was no way I would have been productive going into another job. I wanted to find myself first. So I told myself I would take the summer, move back home, try to save some money, and just find myself. And so it was in that during that healing summer that I started an Instagram anonymously. It was called The Grief Guide, and my face wasn't on it or anything. It was just a way for me to start sharing my experiences. You know, I wasn't ready for therapy at that point. I figured there were other people who had similar experiences on Instagram. So I started doing that and sharing what was helping me heal. And as I was doing that, I realized what was helping me was helping other people. And so I organically started putting together free mini courses on morning rituals and how to how to create your own morning ritual to help you with your grief or to help you grow. And that started resonating. And then I realized, oh, my God, I, I really like this work. I like helping people. I've always wanted to be some type of coach. I've always wanted to start my own business. And that it was that moment after, you know, creating that first mini free course, that I thought to myself, okay, maybe maybe I'll try to do this, you know, the the country is shut down. I'm I don't really have anywhere else to be. I'm lucky enough to be living at home right now. I got rid of my apartment. This, is, this seems like the perfect opportunity for me to try something new and not have that many responsibilities around me. And so that was really um, how that happened.
2: Yeah, I, like, I liked watching you as you tried <laughs> to figure it out because you're really honest in a lot of your videos, which I appreciate because it just brings the reality of figuring out who you are to light. And a lot of people think it's like a a switch or something. And it's really not like once you have your old identity, it it, there's a lot that it plays into on even um, what's the best way to put it. You forming a new identity. There's a lot of roadblocks, a lot of stress and a lot of unknowns that, you know, hinder us and how we see ourselves. I remember the one thing you posted or talked about was the, challenges of even thinking you could even do this and I was like wow yeah it's so true because you're so used to that old self and like this is so new no one's like guiding you through this you're just following your heart but there's that that sense of doubt because you've never done it before will it even work do people care all these thoughts go through but yet you still pursued it and I want to say you know congratulations for that because that's a remarkable step of courage to just follow your heart in in the face of old stuff that holds us back.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, we all we all have our egos. We all live with limiting beliefs. We all live with narratives. We're human. So there's there's no human on the planet that doesn't have, you know, the little doubt whispering in its ear. But I think it's just so important to do your mindset work, do your energy work, do your soul work all at the same time because if you if you can do that then you can tackle a lot of obstacles, um and really just be clear on who you are and, you know, what direction is good for this moment because your, your paths change all the time.
2: <laughs> and so what are just some you know, quick tips people can do if they're wanting to, I guess, challenge who they see themselves as and what they desire in the future?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So one thing that I always tell people is to just write a, start by writing a letter to yourself. And I know if you haven't done anything like this before, if maybe you haven't journaled before, it can kind of seem like a weird or different experience and it it kind of sounds corny. I'm just thinking about how I used to view these things years ago. (laughs) I'd be like, I'm not going to write a letter to myself, but it really is amazing if you can dedicate 15 to 20 minutes to just sit down with yourself uninterrupted and just write a letter to yourself and i i tend to not give too much instruction because what ends up happening is if you start once you start and you don't have that much instruction it's really amazing what can come out on from the pen onto the paper there are revelations about yourself revelations you know you can discover things that maybe you've been suppressing that you enjoy that you just really haven't looked at you know parts of yourself you haven't looked at in a while So if you start, that's the number one thing. Just start by writing a letter to yourself and just see where that takes you. And it can be a very powerful exercise.
2: Yeah, one of the things I remember I I tried when I started understanding the truth that I didn't fully love myself was this thing called mirror work? I'm guessing you've, you've heard of this, right? Where you mm-hmm. tell yourself that you love yourself in front of a mirror and look inside, like, and look, look at yourself while you're doing it. It was mm-hmm. so awkward at first. Oh, my. Oh, man. It was just like, it was the craziest <laughs> feeling because, like, you, it really captures the truth of it all. And mm-hmm. I look back at that. I'm like, every time I look in the mirror, it's like, what's wrong with me? And then I'm trying to build a sense of what's right with me and what do I love? And then now all you see is just this being that's, that you love and it's a beautiful thing, but it took time. I think that's another you know thing I've learned that you have to be patient in this game. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of work to do.
1: <laughs> yeah, it definitely takes time. It takes commitment and consistency, but it's available to all of us. Like I said before, we're all human. We all have those doubts. We all have limiting beliefs. We all have, we all have our own ego that tries to keep us in our comfort zone, but it's, If you're willing to try something new and put a little bit of work in, then, you know, you, you can start seeing impacts pretty short, but it's really that transformation um, that needs consistency, but it's worth it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with both of you. I think patience and uh, giving yourself time and being easy on yourself. And and I think it's important to enjoy what you do, I think, uh, or find, 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 Some things that you enjoy about it, and even if you're at a job that you don't necessarily um, are super passionate about, if you can find things that you joy enjoy about the job, that can take you that can take you further, and that can really ease your mind and make you feel a little better about uh, the whole situation. And it's even better if you can do work uh, like with the podcast. You know, I enjoy it. It started with just loving, you know, doing it, and that's what's fueled us. And that's what keeps us going. And and that's why, uh, you know, we've been doing it for so long. But I think and and also, the other side of that is being patient. Mm -hmm. And just not not feeling like we have to do it all at once. Just feeling like we can grow this organically. And that's what I'm hearing, uh, you know, when you're talking about what you're doing and just starting in a place and just enjoy doing it and then see what comes out of that
1: exactly yeah it's all about the bigger picture
2: yeah sean that's interesting i remember the the podcast starting off i was so nervous i didn't know what we're really doing but also (laughs) if it was going to succeed and you have so it really brings me back to those times and like look at it now it's one of the most beautiful things that i love to do every week and it just keeps me grounded and i'm like wow like it by facing that like over the years because it wasn't like we're both comfortable in front of the mics and this is what we did, like, you know, I know, I can speak for myself, I was very nervous, very shy individual, and to then have to listen to yourself <laughs> speak on a mic and then feel confident enough in yourself to ask the right questions. There is so mm-hmm. much going on in just sense of your own identity, just being behind a mic. So, you know, five years later, it's amazing how much you've developed, but how much mm-hmm. your love for what you do has grown. As you became more and more confident, but that's like with everything in life, right? Like, so with what you're doing, there's always those challenges for anyone who starts something you have to sort of really spend the time to work through some of those emotional challenges that come up and just not to give up.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. and I, you know, and that goes for anything. Like if you want to learn to make soap or, you know, and sell that, if you have dreams mm-hmm. uh, in yourself mm-hmm. and visions and goals try not to get carried away and or discouraged quickly because you will face hurdles and it will, there will be little bumps along the road. But I think what keeps you, what carries you through those hurdles and those bumps is the initial spark of why you want to do in the first place is the enjoyment of it is the passion around it. And I've said this from the beginning, whether we have 50 downloads a month or, you know, 5,000 downloads a month, for ten thousand downloads a month i still get enjoyment from each episode and that's what will sustain me in the future to do it is is that is that passion and that goes for you know any any type of business or anything and the other thing is this is things can seem daunting when you first start because there's a lot to learn especially you know what will there again any type of skill or, or making things or selling a service of some sort but what's crazy is You know, you start the journey and then you look back and it's been five years
2: and Mm -hmm. you're like,
0: wow, I've picked up all these skills along the way. And now you can look and that's what life is. You know, you you started this business recently within a year or so, but Mm -hmm. that's not that experience isn't just from you're not starting fresh. You know, you've carried with you since you were born, essentially all these skills Mm -hmm. to prepare you for this moment. So you have something in your bag already. You're just picking up more on the way.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think also, you know, it takes time and it takes a lot of effort and energy. And it's so scary, as you mentioned at first, and can be so, feel so hard at first. But if there's one thing that I've learned and is really the central theme around my business is that life really is short. And that's such a cliche statement. But when you... Have these losses, you know, it's, it's easier to, to make changes in your life when it seems like everything is kind of going okay. Um, I, I think about this conversation I had with a friend. She was like, Ev- My life is really great right now. Like, I have a good paying job. I, I kind of enjoy my job. I know there's more out there for me. I, th- I just know that everyone will question me if I make this change right now to pursue a different avenue. And I told her, like, The best time to do that is now. Because you know, don't wait for something terrible in your life to happen to make a change. That doesn't mean that it's not possible. Obviously, it's possible. I've waited for three losses to make changes in my life and step out of my comfort zone. And it's hard to build a business and grieve at the same time. Um, But if you are in a space right now where you know you're you're in you're in a good zone, you're lucky enough to really not have to deal with losses, or you're not dealing with hardship it's also a good time to start something new. So that's just one main central theme. Life is short. So if you have something that you want to be doing with it, if there are things in your life that make you happy, pursue it because tomorrow is definitely not promised and your life can really change in a moment, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, both can be challenging, whether you're forced into change or whether the change is your, your choice and your time to do it. And, and they are unique, those type of changes. And, but I just, uh, I think understanding that it's, it's on you at that point, because you can make those changes and, or you can not, but if it's something that's driving you and, and something you really care about, go for it. Because at the end of the day, you won't, you won't regret going for it. But I think if it's too much on your plate, like I would say do it in baby steps.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Ultimately, start a little small, and then dip your toe into the water and work on something, you know, let's say back to the example of like a selling soap, do it as a hobby, do it as a passion. If you like, you know, you enjoy the process of making soap, start small, go a little bit and enjoy it, give it out to family and friends and see how your business goes. Maybe don't quit your day job, continue to do it that way. And then eventually, hopefully, you know, you'll gain steam and growth and skills in, in all that. And then you can, when you're comfortable, and you can go ahead and do that. But if it's something, you know, like you said, life's short. And, and mm-hmm. sometimes if it's something that's really pulling at you, you just got to go for it. Exactly. So I, got,
2: I, I got a question for you. Are you uh, planning to do some uh, soap stuff? <laughs> is, this, uh, <laughs> is this a dream of yours that you haven't fulfilled yet? <laughs> yeah. I do have some
0: uh, soap supplies that I bought. Long story short, I bought some uh, <laughs> soap supplies for Christmas to give out mm-hmm. as gifts, but I didn't end up doing it. I don't plan to make a business out of that or anything. It was more like a hobby I was interested in getting into. But uh, it was just that's just on my mind because I I bought some supplies. But yeah,
1: that's awesome.
2: Hey, well, I look forward to when you make it. <laughs> Next and Christmas, I will enjoy receiving it.
0: Next Christmas, we'll get on <laughs> that.
2: And so, I think it's a good time to go towards the dream. So, did you have dreams of both your father-in-law and your father, or was it just one or the other? And how really? How did they feel when you had them?
1: Yeah, so I was, I got, I had a dream with my father-in-law first before I had one with my dad. And it felt so clear as if it was, I mean, people say this all the time with visitation dreams, right? Or these types of dreams, it just feels like you are, it's real life. It doesn't feel murky like typical dreams do but it was so clear we were sitting at a booth in a diner and he told me don't sweat the small stuff and that is typically something my own dad would say but he said that to me and it was so clear and it it was such a brief short dream but I woke up I told my husband and he told me that that was something that his dad used to say to him and his sisters growing up and I had no idea um and so that that was kind of a crazy coincidence. That was the only time um unfortunately that I've had such a real experience with uh of a dream with him in it, but that I'm was curious. pretty crazy.
2: I'm curious was your father dead at that time or was he in the hospice?
1: At that time, he was still in hospice. He was still okay. home. Yeah, so it was shortly after we lost uh my father-in-law, it was probably early April.
2: What a what a, what a great statement though. Like, as you said, like it connects so well to your father, but then you, not only the dream helped you, but you learned something about your own father-in-law and, and, no. you, and also with your husband and you're like, wow. Like, and so it, it almost made the bond deeper. Is that, would that be mm-hmm. fair to say?
1: Definitely. Definitely. It was, my husband couldn't really believe it. I, <laughs> Just kind of hard to put words to it. It was it was a really crazy moment. I woke up and felt as if I was just at a diner with him. Um, he looked normal. He looked healthy. He looked how I ex- have experienced him for the past seven years, and so um, it was just really amazing. That was that was the only dream I had with my father-in-law. I also I don't really see my dad in dreams as often, and I've only had one really. Profound, probably the most profound dream I've ever had in my life. (laughs) And it was with my dad. And it was after he had passed. It was actually several months after it was in this past September. And at that point, you know, I was really into meditation. I was meditating every day and really open. At that point, I had spent months, you know, researching signs, researching spirituality, and receiving signs. And I just felt so connected to him. by by this past September and so I was just obviously in a much different state of mind than I was right after he had passed but I remember it was late September and I hadn't really felt him in a while and I was so desperate to have him show up in a dream because I know that I knew that other people had those experiences and I had one with my father-in-law but I had yet to have one with him and every night for about a week I went to bed and right before bed I would say, please visit me in a dream, please, please, please <laughs> or please like I I need to have an experience like this. And then I did. And it was um it was really I don't I will never forget it and I remember it as if it happened yesterday because that's how real it felt. And so the dream was uh I was in someone's backyard, a family friend's backyard with my mom and our family friend. And I noticed the neighbor next door was just doing her, uh, you know, working on the flower bed out front. And I looked over at her and I just felt so connected to her and this house that she was working on. And it was almost like I was pulled towards the house. And I went over and I said, I need to go into your house. I know my dad is in there. I know he's connected to it. And at this point in the in the dream, my dad had already passed. It was as if it was present day. And I said, I need to go inside. And she got up from working on the on the flower bed. She smiled at me and pointed me to go inside. And I walked inside and she guided me in through the kitchen and you know, held her hand out for me to enter into another room. And I walked into the other room and I was It was a pretty dark room i don't remember anything in the room except for a table i walked over to the table and there were all these documents just kind of scattered around the table one of which was a map and one of which was almost like a photo album i remember at this point this is present this is this dream is as if it's present day my dad has been has been gone for several months now and I'm looking at this map, and I'm aware that this is the map of where he is. And there are pictures of him recovering in this album. And I'm starting to feel almost betrayed as if, oh, my God, he's alive. And I didn't know he's been dead this whole time. Like, what is happening? You know, these are pictures of him recovering. This is the map to where he is. And the map was not logical. But, you know, the essence of it was where he was. And I, as I'm discovering all of this and just feeling so confused, I notice that the woman behind me is just smiling. She has like a very maternal essence to her and she's she's smiling at the door where uh, she led me into the room and she leaves and comes back with my dad. And the two of us embrace and we fall to our knees. I'm gonna try not to get emotional, but we fall to our knees and we're hugging each other as if we never thought that we would reunite this way in, in this lifetime. And it was, the the whole dream was the most clear experience I've ever had in a dream before, ever. More clear than my dream with my father-in-law, it was as if this woman was facilitating a reunion between me and my dad. And I was saying, I was crying. I missed you. I thought you were gone. He was like, I know. I I didn't think we would see each other this way. And I said, my mom's outside. My mom's outside. And He was like, I can't see her. And when I went to get up and go get her, get to get my mom outside, that's when I woke up. And I woke up and I immediately started hysterically crying. I was, I did not know what was real and what wasn't. I thought that I was just so confused. I, I can't even put words to it. I was extremely confused and not know if what I had just experienced was real or not. And I spent the rest of the day really. I, I journaled for like way too long, and I was just trying to figure out what had just happened. It was the crazy experience, craziest experience.
2: Wow, that is. An amazing experience. So, what did you figure out after journaling for so long?
1: <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of things. Um, I actually called my aunt, who uh, you know was the one to help me figure out signs. She was the one who has mediumship abilities, and she she told me that the dream was what I thought it was. It was a reunion, and that I've been doing all this work to connect. And it was almost as if I was unlocking a new level of connection um and she told me this is the part that's crazy i understand that this sounds crazy <laughs> but she told me to start looking up pictures of my great grandmother because something about how i was describing her felt like the essence of my great grandmother uh. and so i start i started <laughs> i started looking up pictures i asked my grandmother for pictures of her mom and she was sending me pictures of when my great grandmother was older and it just didn't look like the woman in the dream. And she sent me a picture of my great grandmother in her 20s. And I have the chills right now. My whole whole body has the chills. And the woman in the dream was my great grandmother, who was very connected to my dad. And, you know, in the dream, she had this like very maternal essence to her. And it was my great grandmother. just, you know, in the younger form, which is still to this day, I, I can't. Believe,
2: even though I experienced it. <laughs> wow! Like I don't know what to say to that. That's yeah, like, absolutely remarkable. It's one thing to have like such a beautiful, loving reunion with your father, and just be able to to hug him and and just to feel the love, right? Like that's yeah. what we desire the most. And then mm-hmm. after the fact, you get this other gem that the person in the dream was even a stranger. Mm-hmm. It, was, uh, it was your grandmother that you've never met. Never ever seen yeah. the photo of her when she was young, and you're like it just blows your mind and that's why I love this topic it allows me to sit in that mystery of life yeah and you know with that mystery like everything is possible right like all this stuff can you can play a little more in life knowing that you know there's this stuff that that's out there that reminds you that there's so much more than we understand and it's not to be afraid of it's just wow you know like I don't know everything. And I think that's the whole thing too with the <laughs> coaching and that the whole thing is you don't know everything about yourself and it's about learning about who you are and learning about life, what life is. And these moments really shake the core of how we were trained life was or, or should be. And you're like, wait a second, but this experience was so real, so different. It's mm-hmm. changing my view of just what life is. And so what was your reaction after all this? Like, how do you, how did it change you?
1: Yeah, it's these types of experiences that you have and just can't, you're just never the same. You're just never the same. It's so, it's really hard to understand them if, if you haven't had them yourself. But I think everyone at one point in their life will. I really believe that. But it it just, it changes you. It really, like you said, it it's so interesting to even just talk about this mystery because that's what it is it's a mystery we don't know I have no idea really what any of that meant I have I have my own beliefs but I really at its core do not know and so once I had this dream and since then I have just felt way more secure in my connection with my dad I choose to believe that that was a reunion and it and choose to believe that it was real and so that's what I'm making my truth, but you know, like I said, once you have those experiences, you can't really look back. It's just, it's it forces you to rethink everything. And for me, I've already, I had already been doing that for months, <laughs> so it had just forced me to continue questioning things and continue diving deeper into my own spiritual growth and um, connection and things like that.
2: Isn't that beautiful? How one event that's what i love but these dreams like one event can really help you out at a certain time to continue to be motivated in whatever aspect Mm -hmm. you're doing so with what you're doing and looking for signs and self-help self-growth it really fostered that to do it more like it's one of those Mm -hmm. things that it it was a great nether catalyst for all of us Mm -hmm. on when we're trying out something new that we need uh, either a friend or one of these dreams but to just know you're on the, you're on the right track, that what you're doing is helping you, and it's facilitating more and more love and and deeper connections with those that we still love. So, you know, that's what an amazing dream. I gotta say that's is phenomenal. I'm just in awe of, of of that dream.
1: Well, thank you, thank you so much.
2: When you talk about science, does these dreams come up a lot? Like, because you mentioned like you think people have these. A lot and it, they are more common than not, but like what was your experience when you started talking to people about their grief and and their own view of signs because everyone's view of signs is completely different
1: right, of course um, you know when I talk about signs, I don't necessarily talk about dreams as much because i I just don't really receive that many so I don't feel comfortable talking about them as much. Um, I'm comfortable talking about my experience, of course, but uh, when it comes to signs, what I have realized is that more often than not people who have lost someone they love believe in signs or want to believe in signs or want to experience them but they feel nervous going for it you know what if it doesn't happen and then I get disappointed but they also are tend to be afraid of judgment which is something that is obviously really sad because when you lose someone you love all you want is just some type of connection, whether you know, well, any type of connection, you just want to hear from them. And if there's a way that you can through signs, then that's great. But if you're not really surrounded by people who believe that, which is totally okay, it just can be harder to put yourself out there. And so I've found that, you know, people will reach out and say, Oh my God, I thought I was crazy. Things are starting to happen that, you know, my husband thinks I'm crazy, my friends think I'm crazy, I don't really talk about with them. And so that tends to be the feedback that I get from people. There's so many, probably nine out of 10 people I, I in my experience are people who want to receive signs or believe in them. They just feel a little nervous talking about it and sharing those beautiful experiences, which is sad because it, there's nothing bad that can come from signs, right? It's just further connection, further love, you know, further energy. So hopefully my goal is to just get people to start, being comfortable talking about them, making it less taboo, creating a community that can support one another, even if you don't have people in your personal life who uh, can understand it. But yeah, that's pretty much been my experience.
0: It's so funny, like hearing all that, because, you know, we talked to various guests who talk about signs. And Mm -hmm. it's unfortunate, I hate hearing how people get dismissed. I think it's the way our culture is set up. You know, it's been you look at decades of tv and movies and like cultural norms and culture and and society and literature and all that and and you know that person's crazy it's easy to dismiss oh that person sees something that that's and then they dismiss the person as crazy or or this or that right like old movies like you know you never saw someone who was like experiencing depression or manic behavior you know there's mm. there's the old uh, adage of like someone would like splash water on their face or slap them be like get a hold of yourself <laughs> like, right. Like, right. But yeah. like um I think it's uh it's very real and it's I think first acknowledging if we all just acknowledge that this is something that exists like people have these experiences you right. know we just interviewed Penny Hunt and she talks about signs in her mm-hmm. book and there's an uh, you know one at our son's funeral you know the mm-hmm. fire alarm went off and it went off in in that uh, in their room and, and there was all these like situations and that was a sign for her and mm-hmm. she talks about how she felt initially she felt insecure writing about it and sharing it because mm-hmm. of what people would think and and that's yeah. that's sad because it's true people will say mm-hmm. some things and and that even comes down to sharing um death in a, a loss of some sort like if you have a pet die a mm. lot of pet owners are, are you know, they don't want to share that because they don't want to get dismissed because it's so right. painful. When that does happen, it's mm-hmm. so painful. So I, I, I hope we can all just, you know, start to just acknowledge that it's there and then just be hopefully free and uh, accepting to have conversations around uh, what, because it's, it's a mystery, but we're only going to solve it together. Like it's not right. going to solve itself.
2: <laughs>
1: Yeah, definitely. And I also, it's just, at the end of the day, it just comes down to respecting people and just kind of loving everyone for their own truth. You know, that's it. It's just, it's a matter of respect. You don't have to believe the same things as everyone else. As long as you can respect each other. It's like what you learn when you're five years old, <laughs> you know. Like, make sure you respect other people if they don't look like you or if they yeah, don't believe don't the say same things. things. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so hopefully, we just get more of that in general. It's
2: uh, it's great, and I hope so too. <laughs> and the same thing with these dreams, right? And that's, yeah. you know, for me to be the one to have to do the research is crazy because he's been going on mm-hmm. since probably the beginning of humanity. Um, but yet yeah. no one, you know, really want to. To take the lead, and and our culture has hindered the Mm -hmm. the sharing of them and the different ways that they've talked about these dreams, and so it's just like we're we're at a time where people need to know that they're not crazy, that it's part of the grief journey, and to experiment to sort of see maybe this is helpful in some way, and you don't really know until you try, and that's the whole thing of um, with grief is trying new things and seeing what works and what doesn't, and so our last question that we always like to ask when it comes to These dreams is if you could have a dream tonight of someone who has died, who would that be? And what would that look like?
1: Oh, I would love to have a dream with my father-in-law and my dad. And I would love to just be sitting. And if my husband could be there, that would be great. I don't know how that would work. (laughs) But I would love to just be sitting in our back deck, just sharing a beer. Something so simple, but would be really, really incredible to experience.
2: What kind of beers are you guys working with? Kind of <laughs>
1: <laughs> IPAs, Trillium specifically, uh, out of Massachusetts.
2: <laughs> well, that's nice. I like that, and I can <laughs> so I can hear one start saying "Don't sweat," and then the other one finishes the small stuff, <laughs> and they <Yeah>. all <laughs> high five and look at you. <laughs>
1: yeah, and then the curtains close. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. <laughs>
2: I'm curious, has your husband had a dream of uh, his father or your father?
1: No, he hasn't. He has not. It's interesting because we're going through the grief process at the exact same time. And my my grief journey is different than his. Um, We respect each other, though, but he he hasn't had any dreams. He has had signs, though, which he can't really wrap his head around, which is amazing. (laughs) So anytime he gets a sign, I'm just super pumped for him.
2: Well, it's great that he has you with him because he can normalize the feelings and try mm. to figure it out in a safe space. That's yeah. Fun. And, you know, I, shout out to your aunt, too, for being that
0: yeah. uh, safe person, right? That The person who you can yeah. go to because that's the first mm. person you told when you had your amazing dream. But you can go to that person and know that you're they're not going to think you're crazy. <laughs> they're there to support you, which is which is big. I think it's huge.
1: Exactly. Thank you. I'll, I'll let her know. I She's my new mentor in so many different areas of my life. And she knows I was coming on this podcast. She thinks it's awesome.
2: Okay.
1: Nice. Um, yeah, I sent her the link to you guys. And yeah, it's, it's just nice uh, to have her for sure.
2: It's nice you found a new mentor. I'm curious, though, what does it feel like to be a mentor to others?
1: I love it. I feel like this is where I was always supposed to be. You know, I've always had little visions of this, and now that it's happening, it just feels so right and so, so aligned with really who I'm meant to be. And I just am very grateful for all the people who have put their trust in me and have allowed me to facilitate their growth, whether it's through breathwork or, or other types of coaching or signs, help, and um, it's just amazing. It really is. And people are awesome. You know, people who are just so into their own growth and really open to trying new things, whether that's with signs or broth work. It's just you can tell that a lot of people, especially in the age of COVID, are ready to start growing and ready to start healing and, and ready to start really taking control of, of their lives and realizing that they can.
2: Is it still scary?
1: Not really. Not anymore. No. The scary parts are very trivial, (laughs) you know, new launches and things like that. But I am—I'm very clear that this is my path for now, and that is really what propels me through, you know, the new launches or making sure I have a a program that helps people and um, those things I can easily handle. But it's really not as scary as it used to be because I really feel like this is where I'm supposed to be.
0: That's great. Yeah, that's great to hear. And I think uh, having a purpose and having a clear vision, it, it leaves a lot of tension. It uh, mm. it relieves that tension. And that's how I feel regarding the podcast yeah. is now I can just focus on um, having fun doing it and just do the work. Yeah. I don't have to be too anxious about the future of it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: And so where can people find you want to, you know, give us some information on what you offer as we close up yeah. the, the show?
1: Yeah, definitely. So you can find me on my website, which is self healing with stabs. My full name is Sabrina. My nickname is Sabs, So self healing with com. You can find me on Instagram at self healing with stabs. I very soon um, within the next few weeks. So by the time this podcast is out, I will be running breathwork coaching sessions, uh, breathwork coaching containers. uh, And I have group programs that are really mind, body, soul programs that really help facilitate growth, but also help you with your mindset um, so that you can really step, as I mentioned before, step into your power And really become aligned with your true self. So there are group programs, there's breathwork coaching containers, and I have a course on signs, which really just teaches you what they are, how they work, some ways to request and receive and methods that open you up to signs, but also facilitate your own healing internally. So yeah, you can find those on my website or at my Instagram.
0: Excellent stuff. Sabrina, (laughs) it's been a pleasure speaking with you and really enjoyed doing this episode. Uh, so thank you for that. We hope you enjoyed uh, this episode. To all our listeners, if you wanted to know more about the topic, please check out our platform GriefDreams.ca. If you want to support the podcast, you can contribute through the link on our website. We'd like to thank all those who continue to support us.
2: And Sean, don't forget, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got some new courses that we've uh, we've launched and and now offer. And so there's a Grief Dreams workshop. So this is just a beautiful way for me to have. The ability to teach people around the world about just grief dreams. As, as, as you said, like we need to open up the conversation about this stuff and normalize it. And so I have the course to be able, basically to be able to do that. And so within that course, you'll learn everything you need to know about, well, most things you need to know to start the conversation when it comes to sleep, dreams in general, grief and trauma, and of course, grief dreams. And then also there is crazy and love using romantic relationships as a vehicle for growth. And so this is just to make you rethink modern intimate relationships, as we sort of talked about on the show, how we get sort of these models and how it's supposed to be. But it doesn't always need to be like that and to really envision something new and how a relationship can actually help you growth if you're in one and also if you're seeking one. So also, if you have Facebook, you can join the Grief Dreams Facebook group, or you could follow us on the Grief Dreams podcast page. We also have Instagram and Twitter at Grief Dreams. And Sean, what do we like to say? We like to
0: say with love and gratitude from us to you.